Radio. G'day and welcome back to what is yet another episode of the Zane Red and White Podcast. If you happened to listen previously, welcome back and thank you. And if this is your first time here, welcome. And what do we do here? We talk all things Swannies. And I'm up and about. I've been trying and trying and hoping and praying to finally be able to do another podcast on the back of a win. I was even so desperate last week, I was putting prayers out to the the footy gods, hoping and praying, not just for us, but for them, and I don't know, footy gods, something happened, that was crazy, and I'll give you a quick little brief rundown what happened with my experience, Uh, sacrifices had to be made trying to save up for a little family holiday so I had to I don't usually like to work on weekends especially around footy season but as I say sacrifices had to be made and so I was moving bricks around a site getting the job prepared I'm a bricklayer and I moved probably I reckon 5,000 bricks for the day and it damn near killed me but it had to be done And as I say, unfortunately, I had to miss the game. But I listened to it on the radio, and I did cheekily time my lunch break because I was around the corner from my house, so rushed home and chucked on the first quarter, and it was looking good. It was looking real good. I'm thinking, this is going to turn into an extended break here. I'm going to end up watching the first half just because I haven't seen us play like that for so long. And I was enjoying it, but then... We're letting ourselves down, as we had been a lot of late, just not making the most of our dominance, being still pretty sloppy at times and very fumbly and handballing the guys under pressure. And But it was still early doors, and I'm thinking, well, if we got this dominance and we can keep on rolling, things are looking good. So I went back to work and put on the radio. So a lot of this is on a reflection on... What I heard from the broadcast, I haven't had a chance to watch the replay, but through people relaying back to me what had happened, watched a bit of the mini-game highlights, and as I do, a little bit of a deep dive into the stats. So yeah, the Kangas, we're up against the Kangas, and I don't know why it is every week everyone looks at, I don't know if it's win-loss ratio or the opposition, and sum up, well this is going to be an easy win. And they just assume because the kangaroos, where they sit on the ladder and their past history, that they're poor. Like the last five weeks, they've been one of the best one-on-one marking contest teams. They've won 46% of their defensive one-on-ones, which is the highest rate of any side in that five-week span. And offensively, had lost only 27%, which made them the fourth best of any side for that period of time, which was something that matched up strongly against us because we'd had a bad habit of bombing the ball in. And as I say, they were one of the high, well, they were the highest rated team for taking defensive one-on-one marks. And we've been so undermanned and undersized with those men out down back and they were winning their one-on-ones. So, Seeing that stat was like, oh, geez, things could have gone a lot more awry. But 
from looking into it, it really wasn't the case as far as them having a huge dominance in the air that gave them the edge. It was actually around the grounds. As to say, their goal source was from general play. In that last quarter when they were piling it on and looking like they were actually going to run over the top of us again, those fourth quarters, wasn't the case this time though. I know, I know it was interjection through their interchange mishap, but we'd still clawed our way back into that game and fought and kicked. Heaney's goal was full class. And then you got Franklin laying those tackles and Blakey rebounding, and that's not on the back of just umpires and things happening. We were still down, and they were running over the top of us, and we dug deep and did what it took to get back into the game to be within a kick. And there was 50-odd seconds to go, and we'd worked it down into our forward pocket, and it was going to be a ball up. Who knows? We'll never know. But we still had to put ourselves in that position. They could have kept on running and running and running over the top of us. But we didn't let them. But I digress. Their goal sources. Where I thought they might have got a dominance in the air. It was the goals from general play. In that last quarter, three of their four goals were from general play. And from the game... They were actually seven goals straight from nine shots on goal from general play. And usually for the season, this isn't like their bread and butter. Like They're actually 14th in the league when it comes down to percentage from shots on goal from general play, like going at 35%. But what have we seen of late? Our luck when it comes to teams doing things as far as percentages in front of goal are ridiculous. Usually it's the set shots that have been killing us, other teams being so deadly. This was from general play this time. Set shots had been our Achilles heel of late. But this time, it was the set shots conversions that were keeping us in the game. Again, as they were pressing hard late in that third quarter, they were dominating the inside 50s, 14 to 7. But as I was talking about our accuracy in front of goal from set shots was actually keep keeping us in front. I think it was four, yeah, four goals from four shots for the quarter, where usually, our, as I say, our accuracy of late has been shocking, making us the 13th worst in the competition, 46% from our set shots. Not great. But, hey, hopefully this is uh, the sign of better times in front of the big sticks. I've jumped way ahead. I'm talking about stuff at the end of the game. Because I was up and about, we won, we won. I don't care, a win is a win, is a win, is a win, is a win. And as I say, I was at work, listening to it on the radio, well, through my phone on the radio. And when Sheasel kicked his second goal there in the last, actually my phone died. And I was like, whatever, I'm not even going to go digging around in my car looking for the charger. I'm not one to walk away from a game or drop my head and think, ah. No hope here, no hope here. I always think there's a hope, there's always a chance. But as I say, I was knackered. My spirits were already low. And then finished work, went and got the charger, chucked it on, seeing people saying on social media that we'd won. We won? We won? 
hang on, what do you mean we won? Quickly opened up the AFL up there, went to the last two minutes, and it was in our forward pocket. I'm like, all right, who's done it? Who's pulled out the magic moment? Has Papley continued his streak of one goal a game? Which, unfortunately, I have to report, that streak is dead. He's got to be injured. He doesn't look right. But I digress. Watching the replay, and they've all stopped. And uh, the umpire's talking about something. And next thing you know, you see Buddy celebrating like nothing else. He knew what was going on before I knew what was going on. Next thing you know, McLean's directly in front. A metre from the line. Thank you, mother, for the rabbits. As I say, a win. It's a win, it's a win, it's a win. And oh, I was up and about. Because I'd conceded in my heart of hearts that we'd lost and went about my day. So to come back to that, for me, was a great thing. Most people were flat because I guess they'd been riding the waves a bit differently. But I'm still up. I hope the boys are too, because God, they've had a shocking time of late. But back to the early doors there. Like I was saying, when I was actually the bit that I got to watch seeing how dominant they were, now going back and looking at the stats, it was 18-7 to 7 contested balls early and 10-1 to 1 inside 50s. And before the Roos could even get on the scoreboard, we had five marks inside 50 to their one, but we'd only gotten two goals from those 10 inside 50s. And unfortunately, once again, that was a testament to how much we'd fallen in that regard. Last year, we were one of the top four teams in our attacking efficiency. Now we're one of the bottom four teams, just scoring 40% of the time from our inside 50 since round six. Hopefully, after the bye, guys are refreshed. We can turn this around. We can turn this around, I tell you. Not going to be getting uh, the cavalry back as much as I had hoped. Maybe... I was not reading what they were saying as well as what I could have been. They kept on saying that Rampy and Marty would be back after the bye. So, I don't know, maybe the optimist in me was thinking, oh, after the bye, we're going to have the bye, they're going to be back. They released one of their injury report thingies today, and both Rampy and Marty are listed at four to five more weeks. <laughs> And on top of that, the curse continues. This time, Laddams rolled his ankle, something shocking. The thing was at right angles. I don't know if you saw the photos or not, but I'm trying to do that as I'm standing here now, <laughs> stupidly. But, oh my God, that must have hurt. Hopefully he's escaped anything severe. Apparently it's better that you roll it that way than the other way. When you go the other way, you can start putting pressure on knees and legs and Whatever else, hopefully he's icing up. Hopefully the big fella's resting up, icing up, doing what he's got to do. We need you back out there, Pete. You're starting to look good, mate. We need you back out there. But speaking of looking good, Stretch McAndrews, didn't he look good? He's looked good in the VFL, but it's always such a huge, huge step up from VFL to AFL. And to be going up against who he was going up against doesn't get much bigger than that. This is an example of how big of a task that actually was. During the game, Goldie, for the 219th time, 
he's got at least 25 hitouts, which makes him the only player in the history of the game to even do so. And that's who old Stretch had to go up against, not just for his debut, but by himself after Laddams went down. Huge effort from Stretch. Next week, this week, geez, who even knows? He could be the one-out ruck with, like, Hayden McLean backing him up. Oh, man, how the season just turns from point to point. It's just beyond crazy at this point. So as I was saying, I've had to go back and try and dive into the stats and try and get a better understanding of things that I didn't hear on the radio and so forth. And the intensity gauge for us was very low in the first quarter. And I put that down to we had so much of the ball that we didn't have a chance to apply that pressure to make that pressure gauge rise to the numbers that we usually see. It was only around like 162 in the first quarter. But then in that second quarter, they must have started to get back more into the game because our pressure rating like shot straight back up to like 213, that elite number over two. We need to keep it there. We need to keep it there. I'll say it again. We need to keep it there week in, week out. But if we've got the ball, I guess I'd almost prefer that as long as we're capitalising on our opportunities, especially our inside 50s. I don't want to sound like a broken record, but that's got to change a hell of a lot because you only get so many opportunities in a game of football and you've got to make the most of them when they come. That's for damn sure. But something that was a great sign, it seems as though our intercept possession turning... Let me try that again. Our ability to turn our intercept possessions into scores seem to have returned. In the first half, we'd scored 40 points from intercept possessions, which was our highest tally for a half for the year. But you might say, well, we haven't been great at it. It wouldn't take that much to be our greatest tally for the year. It was also only the 15th time for the year that anybody had scored that much in a half. I also found it very interesting that in that third quarter when they worked their way back into the game, we only scored six points from intercept possessions. But then in the last, when we fought our way back, all 20 points for the quarter for us came from intercept possessions, which eventually we ended up winning that tally 66 points to 29 from intercept possessions. If we can get that game back up and running, look out. Surprisingly, pleasingly, but very surprisingly, at halftime, we were even at clearances 17-17. to 17, But they were more damaging from their clearances. They had scored 18 points from clearances and we'd only scored the 9. When we went into this game, we were the worst defensive one-on-one... And as I was speaking of earlier about their dominance in the air and our lack of dominance in the air... To paint a picture of how bad we've been in that regard, we went into this game with the worst defensive one-on-one win rate for the league at only 24%. But in that first half, we had won all three one-on-one contests inside our defensive 50. I know three is not a lot, but if there's only three, 
and we won all three when we usually only win 24%, and they've one, been one of the best sides of late over the last five weeks, that's a huge win, especially for the guys we've got going on down back there at the sec. As I say, I didn't see the game. I don't know if they were gelling better, if guys were starting to find their feet a little bit better. What I do know was, looking at the stats, Fox went nuts. At three-quarter time, he'd recorded 14, 14 intercept possessions, which is the highest tally of any player in the league all year for the first three quarters of a game. The Mr. Fantastic Mr. Fox, Fantastic Mr. Fox, Fantastic Magical, whatever you want to call him. Without him, where would we be? This guy is the perfect example that I'd like to point out to people when they try to mark somebody's, like, report card, especially, especially early on in their careers, saying, ah, they're not AFL standard. They're just not, they're list cloggers. He wasn't even considered good enough to be drafted until he was a mature age guy. And early doors, wasn't playing a lot of games for us. They even delisted him and redrafted him. Thank God. One of our best players in that grand final last year, being one of our best players this year, he's one of our leaders back there, which we've needed so much so that I can't even explain. Fox, mate, thank you. Thank you. Keep it up, mate. Keep it up. But I come back to those stoppages. They got the first goal early in that third quarter, which was again from a stoppage. And they'd scored four goals versus our one from stoppages at that stage. And going into the game, I didn't think that, like, I know we hadn't been great at stoppages, but I didn't think this was where they were going to get us. They'd been outscored by 29 points from stoppages in the last four weeks. But in that third quarter, they just went on this run. Like, there was this patch of the game where they dominated the disposals, 33-15, to 15, but it only turned the ball over two times to our four. So they doubled the amount of disposals, but we'd doubled them in the amount of turnovers. They were going at 83% kicking efficiency. And when they were going forward, they were kicking goals and the momentum was swinging it was swinging all right. They came out in that fourth, all guns blazing. That pressure rating, 227. Smashing us in the clearances, 4-zip. Inside 50s, 4-1. And in this position, again, last quarter, looked like a team was running over the top of us. And like last week when we looked like we were in trouble, and I pointed out how... Franklin marshaled the troops at half time, and that's the leadership, that's the senior player doing what's required in that moment. Here he was again doing what's required in that moment. Horse in his presser mentioned it was Franklin who decided to push himself up the ground, do what was required to inject himself into the game and not allow us to lose. Those tackles, I've watched, like I say, I've watched some highlights, like I'm not going to watch highlights. And what a highlight, especially that one 
late in the game when they're coming out of the centre. It looked like again, and he's pushed up off the back of the square and nailed the bloke in a tackle. But what I liked about all of his tackles that I saw was the technique. Usually he overcommits or gets like a rush of blood and goes too high or goes too hard. These were perfect every time. I don't think I saw him give away a free kick. Well, the highlights, I don't think they're going to be showing him giving away free kicks. But regardless, what a game from the Budwar. In that last quarter, he took his fourth contested mark for the game. And in the past five seasons, only six times has he taken four contested marks or more. What a time to take those contested marks. What a time to get those jukes out. Like in that first quarter, I saw him out on a lead, arms over his head, outstretched, clunk a ball. Buddy clunking balls. Buddy, clunking balls. He had nine marks for the game. It was only the third time in the last three seasons that he's taken nine marks for the game. And how good was it to see that expression of enjoyment, passion, exuberation, elation, whatever you want to call it, once he'd heard what was going on in that last moment, knew that we were going to win. We were going to win. After everything, we were going to win. People said this was unsportsmanlike. Did they not understand what they've been through? Understand the pressure this guy's been under as well. And we were going to win. He'd given everything. We are going to win. Of course he's going to bloody celebrate. Come on. Then to follow it up with that, as I was just talking about that tackle, as they were coming away with another clearance. But the, oh, the clearances... It's been a problem all year, and maybe some of this being so bad reflects on the fact of that matchup of Stretch on his debut against one of the all-time greats. But at that 25-minute mark of the last quarter, we'd won our third clearance for the quarter versus their 11. And I don't know, because I can't find out how many stats we had in that last quarter, as far as clearances, but if we didn't win another one, it was going to be our lowest quarter all year. But what I did come across over on Twitter, one of the uh, great accounts to follow, especially for stats, and he's one of the main contributors to the Twitter space that I'm always pumping up because it's so bloody good. Yeah, the Swans Insider, he tweeted that We'd only won 36% of our clearances, which was our lowest percentage since 2009. And the thing with that is, like, guys are going in hard. Like, it's not like they're not competing. Like, you got the likes of Robottom just throwing his head in there. You got Parker doing Parker things, and that is one of the most all-time great Parker performances that you're ever likely to see. And I will just touch on it briefly, just because, how can you not? 28 disposals, 15 of them kicks, 18, 18 of his 28 touches contested, but still went at 71% disposal efficiency, laid five tackles, seven intercept possessions, nine score involvements, six clearances, and one of the greatest captain's goals that you'd ever likely to see. And to my count, 14 stitches to his head. Again, the leadership that's been required to lift this side 
from the depth that we've sunken down to of late? And has he risen of late? But it wasn't just him. Like, they had to rise. They were coming. They were coming hard. They'd hit the lead for the first time. I think we led for like 100 minutes of the game or something ridiculous like that. And for guys to lift like that where we hadn't, like Warner in that last quarter had 11 disposals, four inside 50s and 288 metres gained, which is seven times more than anyone else had for the last quarter from either team. You had Blakey linking up and breaking lines and taking marks. Oflo had three intercept possessions. Even Clark went in and went hard and got four ground ball gets in that last quarter. In that last quarter when they had to lift, otherwise it was going to happen again. Thank you, footy gods. Thank you. But yeah, these clearances, like I say, they're going in hard and they're winning the ball, sticking their head over it. But there's no, like, I don't know if it's footy, not footy now, it's, it's just not working. Like we're winning it, but when we're giving it off, it's giving off the guys that are flat-footed or got a man on their hammer, or we're fumbly, or not even hitting targets with simple handballs. The skills still far from where they need to be, as far as simple things like handballs, like five-meter handballs, or loose balls, just fumbling. And I don't know if it's perceived pressure because they got inside their head so much of late. But we've got to start. We can win the ball. We've got the guys that can win the ball, but we've got to start effectively, damagingly, get the ball to outside guys. Such as, like, Warner can be that outside guy as much as he's brilliant at getting the ball and bursting out of stoppages. It's affected his confidence, I feel, from earlier in the season when they just hunted him. Guys were just... He had a target on him, something shocking. How do you beat the Swans? Stop Warner at the stoppages, they thought, I imagine. He was just besieged by players any time he got the ball. He didn't even have a chance to do his stiff arm or break tackles and use his strength. And so that got into his head a bit. And so he started to try and give that handball, but it wasn't executing. So then he started to just get it out of their kick, which they all seemed to do a bit way too much at times in congestion, especially in clearances. We've got to start linking up. Like, Errol, so good to be able to get the ball in his hands when he's around the middle there. It's hard so much to swing magnets and such in the situation that we're in. But I would like to see Campbell given a shot. He's slowly starting to push his way up the ground, I've noticed. But he's played as a mid all throughout his junior career. I know we like to do our apprenticeships down back, but things aren't working. They're not working through the guts there. We've got to try some stuff. And I'd like him to be given the chance around the ball. I've also would like to have seen Gus been given a chance inside, but we've got those inside players, so I reckon that's why he's still kind of on the outer. It'll be interesting to see what happens with that as far as... Selections go. Like even Dill, I would have liked to see Dill more around the congestion, get the ball in his hands. I don't know if it's a structure thing as far as guys not knowing how to run past stoppages and link up and have that cohesion between each other and it's a work in progress. I don't know. 
I don't know. But we're a long way back when as far as that is all concerned. Like even Ollie, you'd love to see Ollie up and around the ball using his speed and his kicking, but you just can't. You need him back there, same as Blakey. I'd love to see him running through the guts and linking up and doing what he does, doing the lizard thing, slithering his way through packs and delivering the ball like it's on a laser-guided missile from his boot. But the man's playing key back. Be interesting to see what happens as far as key backs this week because we're going in against Carlton and bloody Kerno and McKay, two Coleman medalists. Do they keep on getting games into Gould and Francis back them in, let them keep on doing their thing? Or does Malikan come in? He's returned from injury in the VFL the past two weeks and he seemingly got better and better. And he is that big body that has been missed down there. Do you bring him in? Does that free up Blakey to be more of that intercept marker, rebounding, attacking defender that we've missed so much? Interesting. Very interesting. As I mentioned earlier, unfortunately, the Papley streak has come to an end. All good things must come to an end. But one thing that hasn't come to an end is the streak of Rowie, where he's had the most games of at least four or more tackles. He took six on the weekend, so that streak continues. One that I did hear, and I'm going to have to investigate more as far as streaks and such go, Parker has only missed one game in the past ridiculous amount of games, so it might have interrupted it being a continuous streak, and that's normally where the records are held, like and Jim Steins, I think, holds the record. If not, he did for a very long time for a ridiculous amount of games played without missing a game. He even played in the... Well, everyone knows he played in the ruck, but he played in the ruck with a broken hand, and he was still tapping the ball in the ruck contest with that broken hand. That's how strong that guy was. But Parker, yeah, he's missed like one game in the past 200-odd games or something stupid like that. I'll have to get back to you on that one because that's one hell of a streak. But speaking of streaks, this is one that I came across and it regards Heaney and everyone's of the opinion that he's got something going on. We've been saying for a while that he's not himself. He hasn't got that aerial ability and just in his kicking for goal to be so far off. And that's where I think the rumors are coming back about hip kind of marry in. This is how good this guy is, in my opinion to be able to go, okay, I can't do that. What can I do for the team? What's being missing from our team? Forward pressure. And since round five, he ranks first in the competition for tackles inside 50. And, and second in the competition for grand ball gets inside 50. The man's doing what he can do and he's, only getting better week in, week out, in my opinion. Now, this one's a bit of a cross between a streak and milestones. Buddy played his 100th, 200th, 300th against the Saints. And in two weeks, he'll play his 350th against the Saints. So that's got to be considered a streak. As I've mentioned previously, I love all these little things. And another one that I did notice today on the back of 
Damien Hardwick's retirement, they put out a list of coaches who are the only coaches to coach 300 or more VFL, AFL games at one club. Now listen to these for some names. Jock McHale, Dick Reynolds, Reg Hickey, Norm Smith, Alan Jeans, Kevin Sheedy, David Parkin, Alistair Clarkson, Damien Hardwick, and sitting on 289 games and due to join that elite list in round 18 at the SCG is none other than our John Longmire. I'm not going to go on a massive rant about people calling for his head once again. People saying, no game plan B, no game plan C. You, he's through the alphabet this year. His game plan went out the window. It went out the left window, went out the right window. He made up another game plan and he tossed that one out the back window. His game plans are going out the window during the game. Things are going that nuts for us this year. He has been such a great course. Course, I guess that's a combination of coach and horse. A great coach for such a long period of time. He won us that flag in 2012. Now this has been put out. I've got a group, uh, we call it the Swans Brains Trust over on Twitter, group chat. And Anne put this one out, talking about her love for horse, saying how we all know we should have won in 2016. We know that. Let's not go there. He won the one in 2012. Yeah, we're outclassed in 2014. We've had to deal with the the buddy trade. What else? Um, yeah, outclassed in 2022. I'm going to add my own little two cents in here when we were up and running. And unfortunately, Buddy had to step away at finals due to mental health. That was another year when we were looking right good. So the amount of times we've been up and about, like premierships are so hard to win. And I hate that you judge a coach just purely on if they won flags. You can't say, oh... They're the type of coach who just can't win a flag, even though they've been there. you got to get them there. And he's kept us up and about and rejuvenated this club so many times. And he'll do it again. He'll do it again. Don't you worry about that. Even before this season's out. Trust me. Week is a big one. Not just for our club, but for me personally. My wife and my father are both blue supporters. And this is a Friday night battle. The battle for the TV. We're going to be there. And she's going to want to turn it off because we're going to be flogging them. And I'm not going to let her. Oh, I hope that doesn't come back to bite me in the ass. But yeah, big game, big game going into the bye. Wouldn't it be great to get two in a row, two in a row going into the bye? Be magnificent, I tell you. So selection is going to be interesting, as always. I'm really glad that Haywood got off. I was looking back at the VFL thinking who could possibly come in, and I have said previously, good old Double HK, Hugo Hawkan there. Could have been a chance recently just because he's so deadly around goals at the moment, and that's what we've been lacking. Then O-Flow, not O-Flow, Haywood got off. Brilliant, awesome, love it. But Double HK there, you got another three goals from his ten touches. He 
was a mid-season draft last year. We could have found something. We could have found something, I tell you. I don't know. We could have found something. Just like we found, looks like we found something in that stretch there. I reckon we might have found something again here. God, we're good at that. But as I already touched on, Malikan very well could be a chance to come back. Can he? Can't he? Melikanti? Melikan he? We'll find out. Sheldrick, who bloody knows? We'll see. We'll see. Selection table coming up in a couple of days. Don't hold your breath. We'll see. But at least this week I'll be able to watch it on the telly. I definitely won't be working. And hopefully we're all celebrating once again. Signing off. Hope to see you on the socials. Thanks heaps for listening. If you could do the old subscribe if you haven't yet, be magnificent. If you could leave me a review, I don't even know how to see these things, reviews. I don't even know if anyone's done one or not. You can reach out to me on Twitter or Facebook or anywhere you can find me. If you just want to talk swans or you've got a suggestion for the podcast, love to hear from you. All the best. Cheer, cheer.